There was a really interesting article that I read um, the other day, last week, written by Andrew Sullivan, who is uh, a guy that's uh, had his own uh, website, um, I think it was called The Dish, and he was just a, a huge blogger, internet guy, that apparently uh, stepped away for a while. Um, the name of this article, I'll have it linked on my site, I think it's gone over, gone by a couple of titles. One of them is, I used to be a human being. And the subtitle of that is, an endless bombardment of news and gossip and images has rendered us manic information addicts. It broke me, it might break you too. And then there was a, I think a more parsimonious alternative headline that I believe was just, my distraction sickness. Um, anyway, I, uh, I mean, I think at this point, a lot of us can relate, um, to the fact that, uh, our relationships with technology has, uh, at least begun to have an effect on most of our lives. Um, and that effect has some positive aspects and some negative aspects, um, but he focuses a lot on the negative aspects and the distraction element and how it sort of took him away from feeling grounded and in his body to be constantly engaged in this uh, sort of digital world. And I can definitely relate to this. Um, I think anything you do uh, is going to affect you um, in a similar way. For instance, I woke up this morning and it seemed from my perspective, you know, in my half asleep, half awake state, I had been struggling for the past hour or two prior to waking up to, uh, to sort of organize my counseling caseload, um, in a particular way. And when I woke up, I'd realized basically that my brain was still in work mode, like the things that I did all day, uh, yesterday and all week at work, which was, you know, a lot of thinking about, um, the students on my counseling caseload and, and trying to figure out this and that about them, just that process that my, my brain was going through just kept going, uh, while I was asleep. It, it didn't turn off. I think the same thing happens with anything. I mean, I remember going to the beach as a kid and sitting on the beach and watching the waves roll in and then going to bed later that night and I could still see the waves coming in. There'd be, you know, an imprint on my mind uh, from what what happened earlier that day. And I, I definitely see this uh, happening um, from the job that I'm doing and certainly from my engagement with uh, digital entertainment. I mean, at work, I'm staring at a computer screen a lot. So I guess it's not completely separate from this digital issue. But um, I've noticed for sure over the last few years, that there's a compulsive element to the way I engage with social media and the internet. And it's something that um, it's not affected my life dramatically, maybe the way that it did Andrew Sullivan, who, you know, he said he had health problems and 
he eventually went on this uh, meditation retreat and had all these amazing insights. Um, I don't think it's affected me that dramatically, but it, it definitely affects me. Um, you know, it's it's part of my daily routine that I crave, uh, especially in the morning when I wake up. It's like I want to have my cup of coffee and I want to check all my social media sites and my websites. And there is this sense if I don't do that, you know, once a day or twice a day, then it's going to kind of get backed up and it'll, it's going to be hard to catch up. And, and, uh, I don't know, it's weird that, that I would think that that matters at all, that I couldn't just take, you know, a week or two weeks off and just, you know, uh, just know that I really didn't miss anything of any grave importance. And, uh, I did a little experiment today with my Facebook, uh, feed. I was going through my feed and I said, well, I'm going to use the hide post feature. So any post that I deem like that was totally unimportant that I looked at, it just served no purpose whatsoever. I'm going to click hide post after I look at it. And sure enough, one post after another, every single post that, uh, you know, that I hadn't seen since the previous day was utterly unimportant. And, um, it would have been fine had I not looked at it at all. And so, um, anyway, I'm just, this is definitely something I'm struggling with both at work and in my personal life. It's just how this, this new relationship that a lot of us have to our devices is affecting our consciousness. And, and there's a parallel development in our society, at least here in the U S that I find interesting. And that's this mindfulness uh, movement where a lot of people are getting into meditation and sort of unplugging and going places where, you know, they don't have access to their device and they're getting the same uh, ex experience. I think that Andrew Sullivan was talking about in his article where they just feel like they're getting back into their bodies and, and becoming aware of the things that they've been missing out on because they've been sort of compulsively engaged in this virtual world. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I definitely, it's like anything, you know, it's like any sort of vice depends on how you use it. Um, a coffee is another thing that, you know, it's like, I really enjoy it, but if you, you know, drink it compulsively, it's, it can become annoying if you're structuring, you know, your day because you have to have that second cup of coffee by noon and you need to be, you know, near a coffee shop at that time, or it's going to somehow bother you. That's you know, obviously going too far. And it's the same with our digital devices. And for someone like me, who's trying to adapt to a new job and not having the kind of free time that I used to have, uh, it's really, you know, it's a zero sum game when it comes to what you do with your time. I mean, if you're going to spend an hour or two hours or three hours a day consuming digital entertainment, uh, and social media and so forth, then you're not doing other things you're not reading a novel or playing music or recording a podcast. And, um, so these are, I mean, obviously it's a first world problem here, but, um, it's one that I think a lot of us, uh, can relate to. And I, for one, find it interesting and, and refreshing when somebody, uh, expresses their struggles and triumphs the way that Andrew Sullivan did in this article. One of the podcasts that I always thoroughly enjoy is the Joe Rogan experience. And he had a guy on um, the other day by the name of Chris Kresser, who's a holistic health guru. 
And they were talking about what's come to be known as the paleo diet. And that's something that uh, Rogan's uh, experimented with, where I guess generally it's going going against uh, what I grew up on, which is that you're supposed to, you know, eat this low fat diet in order to stay fit. And now I guess, you know, that, that conventional wisdom has been um, pushed back against and there's the idea of healthy fats, you know, good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, and um, Rogan and others uh, recommend, you know, eating things that are high in good fats like avocados and certain meats and eggs and that sort of stuff and to really stay away from carbs and sugars and all that. And um, while I found all that interesting, I had my usual reaction to that because I just, the way you know, the way Rogan talks about, um, you know, eating processed foods and sugars and carbs is just, he stresses how horrible it is for you and how, you know, you just feel like crap when you eat that way. And, um, people always talk about the toxicity of eating sugar and so forth. And what I just find strange about that is I I imagine someone trying to convince my 15 year old self that, uh, you know, eating processed foods and carbs and sugars was just so horrible for you and so toxic and doesn't give you the nutrients you need to grow and will affect your, your neurogenesis and your brain health and all this other stuff. And you're going to feel terrible if you eat this way. And, um, and it would have been just, you know, so contrary to my experience up to that point in my life, you know, because certainly from the age of seven or eight to 15, I mean, I consumed just crazy amounts of sugar. I go to the corner store and just eat pure sugar, you know, several times a day. And I just really ate so much garbage, um, but felt awesome, you know? And then, uh, my 15 year old self just continued along that path for the next 15 years, maybe 20 years, where I ate, you know, tons of carbs, processed foods, things out of, out of, you know, a box, uh, all kinds of sugar, you know, just all, all the stuff that supposedly makes you feel terrible and is toxic. And yet eating that way for, you know, 30 years of my life, uh, had no noticeable effect on me. And in fact, I felt great. Um, pretty much my entire life and enjoyed excellent health. And so I guess, I mean, I understand that some things take time to show, you know, bad health effects. And if you smoked, you wouldn't notice it for a while and, and, and so forth. But it just, I don't know. I just think there's so much more to the story. And, and I have this suspicion that what a lot of people actually uh, aren't factoring in is that they're just older. It always seems that this it's guys in their forties that are pushing these diets and talking about how, you know, how they just feel like crap when they eat such and such a way. And, and, and they're chasing essentially this feeling they had when they were younger. But, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like, um, it, there's there's a there's a strong placebo effect. It's almost like the definition of a placebo effect when you're trying these new diets and you're just reporting how amazing you feel after you 
stopped eating sugar or so forth. I mean, you're it's it, you're just setting yourself up for you know wanting this kind of a change. And I just wonder in the long term if it holds up. And I mean, and I certainly do eat healthier now than I did before. And I understand that things affect the middle-aged body and mind and and brain differently than they did when I was younger. And uh, it's not that I'm rejecting all the, you know, these health recommendations. And I, I try to limit my sugar and processed foods and carbohydrates and all that. It's just curious to me that, uh, that I didn't limit any of that stuff at all for so long. And uh, it seemed to have no negative impact on me whatsoever. Um, so what, what was going on there? Is this just the resiliency of youth? And then, you know, that breaks down at some point or... Does it just feel great to be young? And no matter how you eat, uh, when you get older, you're never gonna you're never gonna feel quite that way again because you're just not young anymore. So I don't know. Um, I did try. I was convinced by some of the arguments, though, and at least wanted to try some experiments, recognizing there could be like a placebo in there. I ate some meals that were just like eggs and avocado, you know, with nothing else, no carbs. And there's definitely some carb craving that went on when I tried to cut back for sure. And uh, I know you have to try the experiment for a while before you're really going to kind of notice any effects. But I don't know. I just I just have this overall skeptical attitude when it comes to a lot of this dietary stuff. I mean, I try to, to do things that, you know, are common sense and try to take, you know, different interpretations of the research into um, into account, although, you know, as Cresser mentioned, I mean, the, the, the conventional wisdom changes so dramatically where, you know, in one decade, what they say is good for you is supposedly terrible for you in the next decade. Um, it also must be said when I was younger, I also got everything I needed. You know, I ate, my parents fed me well. I mean, they gave me food that had nutrients in it. And of course it was just above and beyond that. I ate all this other garbage that, um, you know, for some reason did not, did not seem to affect me negatively then. My wife, you know, brought up, well, maybe I would have felt even better, you know, had I not eaten that way. And of course, I can't know that. Um, maybe what I thought was this incredible period of youth was really, you know, 10% of what it could have been like had I not eaten any of that crap. But anyway, this guy, Cresser, I was interested in him. He seemed very intelligent. Um, everything he, you know, he had such a command of the concepts and, uh, the research that he was citing. It was pretty impressive. So I went to his website and then he, um, he had an article that I found interesting called what is health, where he just sort of riffed on the definition of health. And of course it's a really not the easiest question to answer. Um, you know, the world health organization and everyone has their own definition you know, sometimes just defining it as, you know, the absence of disease or in some sort of uh, holistic uh, sense that sort of loses all meaning. All oh, health is, you know, the complete, total biological, psychological, sociological, spiritual, that and the other thing. And it sort of loses um, a sense of simplicity, you know, or, or something that you can really... Um, uses to, to guide your behavior. And, but one of the, one of the definitions that he brought up that was uh, interesting to me was from a guy, Moshe Feldenkrais, who was actually a mentor of mine when I was really into somatics and body work. And Feldenkrais 
defined health as the ability to live one's dreams. And that just uh, just speaks to that that larger thing that when you're living in accordance with your deepest intentions, it kind of um, transcends a lot of the other stuff. And uh, Kresser gave another example of somebody he, he knew that had all kinds of physical health problems, some sort of disease that was really debilitating and painful, and yet she was living in accordance with her deepest intentions and really following her heart and, and what she did day in and day out and just seemed to radiate health and ebullience, even though physically, uh, you know, she was going through stuff that would be really hellish for some people. And so I, I totally relate to that again with, uh, getting up and, and going to a job day after day that I'm not, I'm not fully into it. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing what I was meant to do. Uh, I, I feel again, you know, mostly I'm just I'm trying to make some money and make a living and I, I want to enjoy it. I want to be somebody that, you know, looks forward to going to work and is really engaged, but it's just, it hasn't happened in these first couple of months and it's very draining, um, psychologically, spiritually. And then of course it just then trickles down physically when you don't have the time to do the things that you really want to do. Um, it just, uh, that inner flame can sort of dwindle. And like I mentioned before with the Sullivan article, you know, what you do is, is who you are in a sense when you're just repeating something, um, especially, you know, the things you pay attention to, those are the, the, those are the grooves that are going to be deepened in, in sort of in your mind and in your brain and your behavior patterns, uh, you know, those type of things really affect your your state of consciousness in a, in a larger extent. So if you're consuming a lot of digital media and you're you're engaged in some tasks at work that are really repetitive, but demand your real close attention, uh, those things don't let go easily when you come home. And that's what I've been noticing. So uh, making a concerted effort over the last couple of days to just to return to some of the things that loosen the grip and also whatever, uh, start to engage some, some patterns and intentions that, that make me, um, that do make me feel good and make me feel vibrant and alive and, you know, like recording a podcast or playing music or some of the things I've done today. So anyway, that's, those are some of my thoughts this week. I'll post links to those two articles for those interested. If anybody has any feedback, as always, you can um, contact me on Twitter, integral underscore health. I guess there's an at sign there. I don't, I don't know why that is, but I, it's, a, it's a Twitter thing, at integral underscore health. Or you can email me, bob at integralhealthresources.com. And uh, if you have any questions or feedback, it might be interesting to um, respond to that. But of course, that assumes that someone's actually listening to um, this podcast, and since I, I post one every every blue moon, and don't do anything to promote it, um, I can't expect there's going to be a whole lot of engagement out there. But anyway, for the person that may listen someday, um, I'll check in with you sometime next week. Uh, and that's that. Be well. Bye bye. <laughs>